Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to episode 17 of On Air with the Chair, Stabilize and Grow or Shrink and Build Back. Today is August 24th, 2022, and I am Captain Nick James, your MEC chairman. Today, I'm going to be covering the recent agreements in the fee-for-departure industry. That's going to include agreements at Piedmont, PSA, Envoy, Commute Air. And at the time of this recording, we are anticipating that the SkyWest agreement will be announced at some point later today. So we won't have any information on the Sky West for this podcast, but it is something that we are tracking on. Typically at the end of each podcast, we like to answer a pilot question from the front line. However, we did not get any submissions this month. So if you would like to submit a question or a topic for the show, please remember to send an email to edvonair at alpa.org. That's edvonair at alpa.org. Before we get into the heart of the episode, which is what is the future of Endeavor and how are we going to compete for pilots, let's take a look at a few housekeeping items. First, coming up, we have a pub event in New York City on September 27th at City Field. Registration is going to open this Friday and it will be included in our normal Friday hotline. The registration is going to follow the same pathway as other pub events. You will simply be able to click on a link and register for the event. We do have 100 open tickets. And we are going to reserve these tickets right now for pilots only. However, as we see participation rates uh, in the next couple of weeks, we may open that up to pilots and guests or pilots and families. So stay tuned for that. One other thing to note on the pub event is this is an all-inclusive event. So if you register for it, your ticket along with all food and beverages are going to be covered by the MEC. Next topic of note, we have a vacancy in the MEC vice chairman position. Tyler Adams has taken a job at United Airlines, as many of our other pilots have as well, as United has been taking more of our pilots outside of any other carrier other than Delta over the last uh, several months. And so we wish him well, and we thank him for the six months of service he gave in that position. However, that vacancy is going to be filled at the upcoming October MEC meeting down in Fort Lauderdale, which will be uh, about the BOD meeting, which I'm going to talk about here just momentarily. And so we look forward to filling that role so that we once have once again have a full complement of officers. Now, speaking of the board of directors, every two years, Alpa National hosts a board of directors meeting and uh, the BOD is where all of the representatives, so officers and LEC reps from all of the Alpa represented pilots meet at various locations, and they set the national and strategic objectives for the association for the next two-year period. And then it's going to be up to the elected representatives of that team to execute on those objectives. Now, this meeting is going to be held in Fort Lauderdale, and as I said, our MEC meeting is going to abut that. So our MEC will be conducting their normal four-day meeting on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Sunday is technically a day off, but there is enough going on down at the BOD that we will continue to stay down in Fort Lauderdale as there will be a presidential debate as all of the national officer positions will be open for election. And there's also going to be a fee for departure committee meeting in which your fee for departure LEC representatives are going to attend. And then we will kick off the BOD on Monday and that will run through Thursday. The dates for that are going to be October 12th through October 20th. Now, the next housekeeping item is positive space. And the question that I keep getting, especially as we propel closer to the expiration of positive space, is are we going to keep it or is it going to go away? And as I've stated before, our ability to keep positive space is going to be completely and 100% dependent upon Delta 
reaching an agreement with the Delta MEC and providing it for the mainline pilots. If it's not going to be provided for the mainline pilots, it's not going to be provided for our pilots down here. And right now, there doesn't seem to be a strong likelihood that we're going to be able to continue with the positive space program. That means that beginning with the November bid period, we are going to be reverting back to what we normally had prior to uh, the positive space program, which is going to be our one flight call in honest and the unable to commute or second uh, flight positive space. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of the differences between those two, but what you should know is we are going to be doing some base visits starting towards the end of September and through October with LEC representatives, with officers, and with P2P to make sure that you are familiar and up to speed with this potential upcoming change as we're going to have almost half of our pilot group that has never commuted under the non-rev rules. So we want to make sure that you're really familiar with those rules and the challenges that are going to be uh, that you're going to face as you try to traverse both to and from work. The next topic that I want to touch on is DART, our data action report system. First of all, I want to thank the pilot group for their immense participation in DART. We've been running the DART program here at Endeavor for approximately 18 months, and we have had over, well, close to 5,700 DARTs sent to us in that 18 months. So we're getting a little over 300 DARTs sent per month. So your participation has been outstanding. I am happy to report that the Endeavor MEC has the fastest DART closure in ALPA. And according to ALPA, even though they're not giving us the statistics of the other carriers, um, they said it, it's not even close. And we're seeing dark closure rates right now at just under seven hours, which again is, is the fastest and best in ALPA. Now, DART is a wonderful system, and it can answer the vast majority of questions for you, but it does have some limitations. And I kind of want to talk about those limitations so that we can more properly hone DART. If you have a very time-sensitive issue, the best course of action would be to just pick up the phone and call your LEC rep. Remember, you can get them through the ALPA phone tree at 833-EDV-ALPA. That is always going to be your best course of action for, again, really time-sensitive or time-critical issues. The other thing is, if you have a DART that has a lot of substance to it, where there may be follow-up questions, five or six questions submitted in a single DART, DART is probably not going to be your best platform. At that point, you should either call your rep or you should email them and ask for a one-on-one -on -one phone call at a time that's going to be best for both of you. Uh, because there are some some limitations inside Dart. The last thing that I wanted to talk with uh, the pilot group about Dart is that if you have a payroll issue or if you think that the contract has been violated, it's best to just go to the pilot issue form rather than Dart. You can file a pilot issue form at edvpilotissue.com. The reason being is the vast majority of Dart closers closers do not have admin access to crew track or to Rainmaker. So when you're asking us about, you know, different pairing changes, or if you're asking us why is the credit in a, in a certain fashion, we don't necessarily, at least most of us, don't have the ability to research it at the level to give you that answer that, that is necessary. So if you think the contract's been violated, or if you think your pay may be incorrect, either an email to the grievance committee directly or a pilot issue form is going to be your best course of action. The last topic I'm going to hit before we get into the bulk of the podcast is going to be the cage marshal events that we're going to be hosting. As I said, my most recent chairman's update, there doesn't seem to be a strong appetite on Delta's part. And I'm going to, we're going to explore this a little bit more here shortly. This doesn't seem to be a strong appetite at the moment 
to come to some type of negotiated or bargaining solution in terms of keeping Endeavor competitive inside this competitive pilot labor market. So if our pilots want to capture the greatest seniority wave that we've seen and they're not willing or don't want or their interests aren't served in waiting for Delta, we want to be able to aid you in getting where you want to go. So we asked the question, would you participate in an MEC-funded Cage Marshall event? Cage Marshall is a consulting service that is going to specialize in application reviews and interview prep, and we wanted to know if that would be something that you were interested in. We had 273 respondents, and as of today, 93.4 of you have said, yes, you would be interested in such an event. So we're going to be looking at hosting a couple of different events. Probably the first one will be in Atlanta as the Delta MEC has offered us their facilities. And so we're going to look to set something up there in the not too distant future. And then we'll follow that up in Detroit. We'll also take a look at whether it makes sense to go out to the New York City market or the Minneapolis market based upon the reception and feedback that we get in our first couple of events. So look for more details on that later. So the question on everybody's mind is what is Endeavor going to do to respond to the sea changes that have happened in the fee-for-departure industry? At the outset of retention, which was signed last March of this year, the company had a stated goal of stabilize and grow. We want this program to keep us competitive in this pilot labor market so we can stabilize this airline and grow. But that has shifted, and that, that mantra has now turned into we're going to shrink and build back. And let's kind of explore what has happened and maybe what we can do as far as solutions to reverse that trend. Okay, first of all, we have to take a look at has retention been successful? Now, this is something that I asked Jim Graham about in the last podcast. And Jim said, well, you know, based upon hiring and attrition numbers, which I had laid out at that point in time, he said it would seem like retention hasn't been successful. But his take was a little bit different. And Jim said, I look at retention as being successful because we are shrinking slower right now than our competitors, which are SkyWest and Republic. Now, I still think, though, that even though we might be shrinking slower, it's safe to say that retention has failed to meet the primary goal of stabilization and growth. When we are attriting more than we are hiring and our ISL is shrinking, and that results in the loss of frames, namely right now on the CRJ200 side, that means that retention has not met its primary goal, which was stabilization and growth. And now the company's talking point is, okay, we may have to shrink for a while, but eventually we're going to build back. So the question is, how do you build back? And what time frame do you build back in? In this market, with the pilot demand being what it is and the pilot competition being what it is, you not only have to give very strong reasons for pilots to stay at your airline, you need to give very strong benefits for pilots to come to your airline. Now, in years past, Delta has been willing to do that and make Endeavor competitive on a monetary front. We have enjoyed industry-leading pay, work rules, and benefits since 2014. We've had the highest pay in the industry for the last eight years. The piece of the puzzle that was always missing was that career progression piece. Now, fortunately, we were able to solidify that during our flow discussions and then our subsequent cap discussions in 2021. But if we take a look at what has happened recently, we signed the flow deal in May of 21. We signed the cap deal, I believe it was in November of 21. And then we signed the retention deal, another $240 million into our JCBA, along with several permanent contractual improvements in March of this year. And yet we're still behind. 
I mean, that is a statement of fact. We did three milestone or capstone deals in less than 12 months, and we are still behind. Who are we behind to, though? We are behind, obviously, Piedmont, PSA, and Envoy. Let's start there. Now, I'm not going to go into all of the details of their agreements because that was done in a previous podcast, and I would encourage you to make sure that you listen to that podcast. But essentially, we are behind not just based upon the premium pay that is offered because that is temporary. Even though that is important, that is temporary. What is permanent is that their pay rates are now going to be ahead of ours to the tune of about 10 or so percent, depending upon what longevity step that you're looking at. And that part of their their contract is permanent, along with some permanent gains on the FTI and LCP sides and some other nuggets that are contained in there. And that's really what we have to be looking at first and foremost is our baseline needs to be at or above that level in order to maintain long-term competitive advantages. And then we can talk about what near-term needs to be done as far as the premium is concerned. The reason that we can talk about that near-term is because the needs of American based upon their regional network very well might be different than the needs of United, very well might be different than the needs of Delta. But there is going to be at least a baseline need to stay competitive. Now, most recently, Commute Air has now come out with a very, very similar TA, uh, at least on the pay side, to what you're seeing at Piedmont, PSA, and Envoy. In fairness to Commute Air's contract, yes, they do seem to have some very strong pay rates, but they're also lacking a lot of work rules that exist now at the other carriers that I just mentioned and including Endeavor. So I do think that there needs to be some consideration in on that. However, when you're a new hire pilot looking to get in the market, you don't really understand soft credit. You don't really understand work rules. You don't really understand quality of life. And that's what's going to be attractive to you is that splashy pay rate, that splashy earning potential. And so does that affect our ability to hire? Now, one thing that's important to note about the commute air deal is the duration clause. The duration clause is contingent. In fact, this entire agreement is contingent on commute air being able to renegotiate their capacity purchase agreement with United. If they are unable to renegotiate CPA rates that reflect commute air's ability to meet this agreement, then this agreement will become null and void. So we're still not sure that this agreement is going to happen. However, with United's vested stake inside Commute Air owning, I think, 48 or 49 percent of that carrier, it is likely that an agreement is going to be reached. But at this point in time, it is not a guarantee. We do expect come September 1st, which is the drop dead date on this agreement, that it is likely that the parties will come to some type of conclusion. Now, the other shoe that we're waiting to drop is the SkyWest deal. It was announced last night um, via SAPA, which is their in-house union, that SkyWest had reached a tentative agreement with their their self-represented union to improve the pilot contract. Now, there's a lot of speculation on on what that's going to look like. The fact of the matter is we're not going to feed into that speculation. Those details are going to be announced sometime later today so that by the time you're listening to this podcast, they're going to be public. But I would anticipate in order for SkyWest to continue to be competitive, they're going to have to be competitive with the rest of the industry set, which right now, minus the premium pay, seems to be Piedmont, PSA, Envoy, and Commute Air. So we think that they're going to be somewhere in that wheelhouse, which would still put them ahead of Endeavor. The other carrier that is in contract negotiations right now, and we would expect to follow suit in the not-too-distant future, would be Republic. And if all of these carriers leapfrog Endeavor, 
we are decidedly middle of the pack, maybe even towards the latter portion of the middle of the pack. And how competitive are we going to be for pilots at that point in time? Something that I've pointed out to our leadership team and to Delta's leadership team on a routine basis is that our success for the Delta brand and the Delta customer, in other words, our ability to perform, and in many cases at levels that that exceed that of Delta, whether we're talking about A0, D0, or customer service, our ability to compete for the Delta customer and the Delta revenue stream has been directly correlated to our ability to compete in the pilot labor market. And our competition, or excuse me, what we're using to be competitive has been industry-leading benefits, mostly geared towards that pay, work rules, and quality of life side. Now, if we don't have that competitive advantage anymore, how are we going to compete when it comes to the pilot labor market? That's going to be the number one question. And Delta typically takes a reactionary viewpoint to these situations. In other words, we encourage them to be proactive. If you're proactive, you're typically going to be charged a smaller price point and you're going to have better control. Delta has a history, unfortunately, though, of being reactive, which does mean that we could expect to go through some near-term pain. However, once a solution is needed and Delta decides a solution is needed, what ends up happening is the solution that has to come in here is that much more lucrative. So as we talk about these challenges inside this pilot labor market, we also have to talk about opportunities and most importantly, solutions. How do we address this? And, and as I've said to the pilots, you know, a thousand times if I've said it once, and I've said it probably even more to Endeavor and Delta leadership, if you want to be effective, you have to address the reason the pilots are leaving. And they're not leaving because of pay. Yes, money is nice, but they're leaving because they're trying to capture the greatest seniority wave we've ever seen. That's why they are leaving this carrier. And so if we put a solution in place that addresses that, then we are going to maximize our success. It's the same talking point that we used last October when we eventually, excuse me, last August, when we eventually went down the monetary pathway of retention rather than a seniority-based pathway of retention. And we said to the company at that point in time, look, we're not going to turn down money. But at the same time, we think that you're risking having to pay twice if money is not effective. And I think that money has not been effective if, again, your goal is to stabilize and grow the aircraft, uh, airline today. Now, if you don't want to stabilize the airline today and you don't want to grow Endeavor today, then anything that we're suggesting as far as solutions are concerned right now they're not going to be taken. You don't need to do these things. If you would rather, and this is what seems like what Delta is going to do, if you would rather wait until the pilot labor market softens in your favor and then catch up, you absolutely can do that. And, I, and it seems to me, even though nobody from Delta or Endeavor is explicitly or directly saying that, through their actions, that is what they're saying. What they're saying is, we're seeing some training bubbles at Delta but we're really seeing some large training bubbles on the United and American side. And I'm going to give you a data point here. And again, this is just one data point, but I have two friends, one that left here for the flow um, in May to Delta and another pilot that left for their flow from PSA to American in May as well. So one went to Delta in May, one went to American in May. Okay. The Delta pilot has now consolidated, finished their hundred hours of consolidation where the American pilot still hasn't even started sims, okay? So obviously you can see that there is a large training bubble there. 
And you're also seeing some of the national carriers, some of the, the LCC carriers have training bubbles as well. I don't know if they're quite as severe as that example, but certainly they are backed up. It is the general belief of Delta that you are going to see a softening in pilot hiring and pilot demand from these mainline carriers as they try to work through some of that training bubble. Now, when I say a softening, we're still talking about some very significant numbers. So instead of a mainline hiring 200 pilots a month, maybe a mainline only hires 110 or 120. That's still really strong growth and really strong movement. And that still means that our attrition is going to continue. Now, is there a bit of a pullback? Yeah, it's possible there's a bit of a pullback. Will that pullback allow Endeavor to catch up, allow them to go from shrink and build back to actually stabilize and growth? That's the million dollar question. And the question really to me can be answered by, are we competitive for new hire pilots? Right now, the company likes to boast that their classes are full for the next several months out. We've seen some anecdotal reports that people are getting March class dates. I will say in many cases, these pilots that are being hired by Endeavor cannot start right now because they don't have the ATP CTP course completed, or they don't have the requisite number of hours to qualify as a 121 pilot. And so their projected completion for these, these milestones is still several months out. And that's part of the reason why we're seeing these, you know, quote unquote class dates full until next February or next March. Are those pilots able to come on board today if we wanted to onboard them? The answer is no. We just don't know how many of them um, are going to fit in that bucket. So the question then is, when we get to that point, when there is a softening of demand at the mainline carriers and at the national carriers, are we still going to be competitive in this labor market with the benefit package that we have given the recent industry trends and where everything is going. And if we're not competitive, we're not going to have the new hires in here to stabilize and grow the airline. If we are competitive, then Delta's gamble worked. If we're not competitive, it's likely that they're going to have to put a solution in at that point in time. And that solution is going to have to be more lucrative. I told the pilots in, in a previous podcast, remember that American Airlines didn't get to their deal until they parked 100 aircraft throughout their network. They had a lot of hauls sitting on the sidelines that they could not afford to do. Delta, being less dependent and less reliant on their regional airline network, especially with the apparent upgaging that is going on at Delta with some of the 320 acquisitions, the additional 220 orders, the 73 orders, they do feel less dependent. Now, just because they're less dependent, they still have a commitment to the DCI network. Their plan is to run approximately 275 dual-class aircraft through 2030 at a minimum within the Delta Connection network. However, as Endeavor, we only own rights to 109 of those aircraft. And even though we've said, okay, if you want to operate 275 and we only have 109 guarantee, how about making a commitment to Endeavor that we're going to operate more, that we're going to operate a certain percentage of that 275 that's greater than what we are guaranteed today. And we have gotten nowhere on that. So their commitment begins and ends at that 109. Now, put it, to put that in relative perspective, prior to the pandemic, we were operating 185. Post-pandemic, we're operating 145. So if we do go all the way down to 109, Endeavor is going to look very different. And if their plan is to eventually wind down the 200, and I suspect at this point with you know, fuel prices the way they are and customers preferring the dual-class aircraft and staffing issues that are um, robust, 
it does kind of make sense that you're going to park the 200 at least temporarily so that you can staff the the dual class product. And what does what does Endeavor look like and what are their staffing needs if we are going down to 109? It does mean that they may not need a solution for a period of time and they're willing to wait until they need to put a solution before engaging in any collective bargaining. So what do we do as an MEC and as a pilot group? Do we just sit back and do nothing? Do we just wait? Do we actively participate? I mean, how strategically, how should we proceed? Well, obviously running the Cage Marshall events is, is one of the things that we're going to do to be active participants and helping you get where you want to go. The other thing that we're going to try to do is we're still, we're still pulling on every lever and every string that we have trying to get Delta to understand that we need to park a solution in here if we are going to be competitive. And we're going to continue to champion that message. We're also exploring some internal options that will be focused more on the Endeavor pilots and some external options that may be focused more on the street to make sure that everybody is aware of the positive opportunities that are in de- at Endeavor, but also the limits at Endeavor as well. We need to make sure that we're communicating things and facts that are accurate. Because what you have to understand as pilots, we have a good, solid package of benefits here at Endeavor inside the JCBA. But as I've told Delta Management, we did not become Endeavor by being good or by being solid. We became Endeavor and redefined the regional airline network and what it means to be a regional airline partner by being exceptional and the best. And we have to pair that exceptional and best performance with exceptional and best industry benefits. Now, industry benefits don't necessarily mean just pay. Okay? There's more to creating an industry-leading contract than just pay. Yes, pay is splashy. Yes, you love seeing it in your paycheck. But there are ways that we can create industry-leading pay and benefits and career advancement and long-term opportunities outside of just rates if rates are something that they are concerned about uh, moving forward on in the near term. So this is just a message that we're going to continue to champion with them to try to drive them towards the bargaining table. We're also going to continue to highlight with you and with, with Endeavor and Delta, our attrition and hiring numbers every single month and how our ISL is shrinking. Because as we shrink, it's going to become more tough at this airline to reverse that course. Again, not impossible. We've done it several times before but it will become more challenging. So I just wanted to make sure that the pilots of Endeavor were aware, uh, once again, of the challenges that we're facing. We are still going to advocate strongly for solutions that we believe are going to lead to the best results for you and the JCBA and the Endeavor MEC and ALPA as a whole. And as opportunities arise and Delta becomes more receptive, we're going to communicate and let you, let you guys all know that. All right, well, that's the end of the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening. I hope to see many of you at the upcoming pub event again in New York City on the 27th. Once again, remember, if you have a question or a topic for the show, please email edvonair at alpa.org. That's edvonair at alpa.org. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Fly safe and be safe out there, and we'll see you on the line. Take care. Send everything to 531, runway 28, quit the land.